right, welcome to Pickaxe and Roll, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is Sunday night as I am recording this, uh, a day after the Nuggets play in their fourth Summer League game. They ultimately won against the Dallas Mavericks, 89-85 in an overtime performance. Bones Highland performed great. We're going to talk about that in the second segment. Uh, before we get into it, probably going to be going down to two podcasts a week over the course of the next five, six weeks or so, uh, just for my own sanity, just for uh, the fact that we're not going to be getting a bunch of news over the course of this period. Um, there are going to be things that come out, and if there are things that come out, I will cover them. But over the course of this time, I'm going to be stepping down my content just a little bit, trying to refresh, trying to recharge, get ready for the next season, and also just keeping my head sane and, and fully uh, fully functional. So going to still be doing stuff on Denver Stiffs. So make sure to check that out. We're getting into our our overall uh, off-season plan now because we've got about six weeks until Media Day, until September 27th, which I believe is going to be Media Day for the vast majority of teams. Uh, September 28th is the day, uh, that's a Tuesday, in which training camp begins for most teams. So have to imagine that media day is going to be the day before, and that is six weeks from Monday, which is probably the day that you're listening to this podcast. So kind of an interesting way to think about it. Uh, as my friend Matt Moore likes to tweet out, I was on Locked on Nuggets over the weekend. Make sure to check that out. Uh, the NBA season is now, he's going to tweet tomorrow that it's 64 days away. So it's kind of insane, and we're moving very quickly. That is quite literally just over two months. So for us content creators, it's going to be a ride. It's always a ride, and we are obviously happy to do it, but still trying to manage everything that goes in with that. So going to be fun. Going to look forward to it. But for now, we did get a piece of news on this Sunday. Marcus Howard. Marcus Howard, uh, Marquette product was with Denver last year on a two-way contract. He is going to be returning on a two-way contract for the second year in a row uh, with the Nuggets. And it's, uh, first, I, I want to say that I feel bad for Marcus because he clearly was prevented from traveling with the team to Summer League and playing in Summer League uh, due to health and safety protocols. This is the exact environment that Marcus Howard would have thrived in where he has the ball in his hands, opportunities galore to be able to shoot, uh, get his get his confidence going, showcase for teams just how dominant he can be as a scorer, uh, showcase the growth in his game as a playmaker, defender, whatever you want. And he didn't get that opportunity. And it's too bad because I, I like Marcus, and I think he just seems like a great player to have on your roster, somebody who's going to be working hard always, somebody who is consistently pointed in the right direction when he was given an opportunity last year with the Nuggets towards the end of the season and then into the playoffs, he thrived. And he wasn't perfect, and nobody would have asked him to be perfect. He was a rookie. He was one of, I think, seven rookies in the entire NBA last year. 
that averaged at least 10 minutes per game in the playoffs. That's nuts. Faku Kampaza was one of those guys. Marcus Howard was another. That is insanity to me. And what it really says is that very few rookies are ever good enough to compete at a high level, to compete at the, the playoff level. Teams that devote a lot of time to rookies, they know that they aren't going to get to where they need to go if they have to play those guys. And despite that, Marcus Howard came in and he really helped Denver win their first round playoff series against the Blazers. Super, super cool. Uh, It was a big deal that he was able to do that. And I'm glad that he's back with the team. It's just I feel kind of bad because I think he deserved after what he showed in the playoffs, after what I know he would have shown in a summer league environment, I think he deserved a full-time deal. The Nuggets, they have 15 guys on their roster. And what this really says to me is that they're pretty much set with probably Bol Bol, Vlaco Chanchar, uh, PJ Dozier, his contract guaranteed over the weekend, or at least 200K of it. So, I mean, there was no reason for Denver to go away from any of those guys, I think. And Denver holding on to Bol Bol, not freeing up a roster spot for Marcus Howard. I think it's pretty uh, apparent where that means, what that means. They're going to keep Bol Bol probably going into the season unless something changes. And so Denver has 15 roster spots. Marcus Howard is now the 16th player who will be on a two-way deal. Uh, And what he gives to Denver is a little bit more stability, uh, returning to the locker room and not having that turnover a little bit. Uh, He will add an extra layer to Denver's guard depth. Obviously, he provides elite three-point shooting, somebody who can catch and shoot with the best of them who can uh, run some stuff as a combo guard, as a scorer, and be able to do what he needs to do from possession to possession on that that end. Defense is going to be an issue, always, given that he's 5'10", given that he's definitely undersized, and he'll have to be able to defend point guards in order to make that work. Uh, I don't know if he's going to be able to do that ever, And I think that's the reason why he probably was met with some skepticism uh, in this environment and not given a full-time roster spot because teams probably needed to see him. They would have wanted to see him before handing that to him. So he comes back to Denver. And what this really points out to me is that, hey, if Bones isn't entirely ready during the regular season or if there's an injury or if there's something Denver needs another scoring guard. Marcus can do that. He can clearly do that. Not sure how many opportunities he's going to get because looking at the the Nuggets depth chart, it's pretty stark just how many guys they have. Uh, Let's just take a look at it now. Point guard, you've got Murray, of course, but he's kind of at the back of it because he's injured. Monte Morris, Faku Campazzo, Bones Highland. I put Marcus Howard at the the back there, at the fourth spot. Shooting guard, you've got Will Barton and Austin Rivers. Small forward, you've got Michael Porter, P.J. Dozier. And I moved over Vlako Chanchar from power forward to uh, to small forward. We'll see if that actually bears out or not, but given that Dozier is more of a, a two playing the three, 
I think that that makes more sense because if, let's say, Rivers goes down, Dozier will just play the two. Vlaco might be able to step in and play the three. Or if they want to stay small, then they could go with Compazzo, Bones, and P.J. Dozier on the second unit or something like that. At power forward, you've got Aaron Gordon, Jeff Green, Bol Bol. And at center, you've got Nikola Jokic, Jamichael Green, and Zeke Naji. So the roster is starting to really take shape here. You can start to see where Denver, where they're looking at, what makes sense. You could play around with those positions a little bit. And one of the reasons why I like to do uh, guards, wings, forwards, and bigs is to give a little bit of a different impression of the kinds of sizes that players are that make up the roster. Uh, If you went by that regard, guards would be very overloaded. You have several guards. You've got Murray, of course, but you've also got Morris, Compazzo, Bones, Marcus, and now Austin Rivers as well. Will Barton and P.J. Dozier are the only wings. I think you could call Barton an undersized wing if you wanted. The only four or the forwards are Michael Porter, Aaron Gordon, Jeff Green, uh, Vlaco Chanchar, and I think Bol Bol. I think we could count that. And you might even count Jamichael Green among that group as well, though I think he's probably best as a big. We've got Jokic, Jamichael Green, and Zeke Naji. So Denver has they're they're diversifying the roster a little bit. I'm surprised that they didn't add anybody more in that big wing category. But they took care of Marcus, and I think that's okay. I think there's there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, Marcus clearly didn't get the opportunity that he was hoping for. And now he will stick on a two-way contract, and hopefully he just shows out. Does some good stuff in the G League if he gets called up to the big, to the big leagues. Then maybe he gets an opportunity there to really show what he can do. But we'll see what Denver's roster ultimately looks like. Uh, they still have one other two-way spot that they need to fill. And they really could go any direction with that one. But I think the important thing is just to talk about what they need. I think the uh, the idea of a seven-footer, somebody who is an, an actual legitimate backup center, makes sense. Uh, it's not perfect, given that that player probably wouldn't play a ton. But... If you have an injury to one of Jamichael Green or Zeke Naji, and rather than playing Jeff Green a bunch of center minutes, you'd rather play somebody else who's bigger, or if you're in a situation where Jokic gets into foul trouble, then at least you have somebody. I think a seven-footer would make a lot of sense. But of course, a, a defensive wing, like we've been talking about, somebody who's in that 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, range, somebody who's versatile, who can move a little bit can do the things that you need them to do offensively, just hitting open shots, making the right cuts, making the right passes, things like that. I think that that also makes a lot of sense. Now, are there any candidates on the Summer League roster for either of those guys? Seven-footers? Not really. There aren't a lot of seven-footers with Denver. Uh, Tariq Black and and Georgie Bezanishvili, probably the closest guys. Uh, Tariq Black performed pretty well in Denver's third game was given a day off in the fourth game, and Denver's defense still was pretty good with Zeke Nagy kind of filling that center role. Um, both of those guys, though, they're 6'8", 6'9"-ish. They're not really seven-footers. And 
that difference does make some that, that it makes a significant difference. Uh, so Denver might want to hold out instead of committing there. But what about defensive wing? There are some candidates. Uh, Caleb Agata is more of a guard, but he's a good defensive guard. Six foot three, but he's solid. He's versatile on both ends of the floor. Had a, had a five steal game. He's had a lot of steals in this summer league. Uh, done a good job off the dribble as a scorer. And done a good job as a as a passer on occasion. He knows how to move the ball, how to create open shots for others. And if he's not necessarily proving him himself, he might fit in pretty well with Denver's group. Just from the perspective of, hey, he can always be a guy who rotates in at the one or the two and could play that complimentary spot. But given that Denver just committed to Marcus Howard, I doubt that they go with another guard. Devon Reed, he's six foot five, versatile, a little bit more of a wing. Uh, he would be my choice. He's shown enough on the defensive end and enough as a scorer, I think, to really put forth that he makes a lot of sense for a role like that. Uh, he would provide a little bit of depth behind a Barton or a Dozier and make some sense that, hey, if let's say Michael Porter goes down, Denver would have to pivot in a lot of different ways. And if they don't feel comfortable with playing some of their fours at the three and would prefer to downsize, it might not be a bad idea to have somebody like a Devon Reed who's more of the 6'5 type, but thick. If he slides to the three, it's a little bit different than Vlatko sliding up to the three or Bull Bull or Jeff Green or whatever. Food for thought. Xylan Cheatham is another candidate. He's in that 6'7", six, 6'8", six, range. Somebody that you would, you would like in that mold. Hard worker, very clearly, was hitting the rebounding glass uh, very hard. He's so limited offensively, though. And that's one of the reasons why he never stuck. That it would be difficult to commit to him. With a two-way guy, you, you want to have somebody who has at least the potential and the semblance of being able to develop that outside jumper, uh, that perimeter game. And Cheatham really was limited in those opportunities. But he's a hard worker. He kind of reminds me of Torrey Craig in a lot of that regard. Denver has committed to hard workers like that before, so we will see about that. They might not commit to somebody on their roster, though. They could go with somebody else who's impressing on somebody else's summer league roster. Now, I haven't been paying attention a ton. Uh, I haven't looked at the other rosters in depth, seeing who is a part of things and uh, who has commitments to certain teams, who's going abroad, who's trying to still make it and is willing to take a two-way. I don't know those answers. But the Nuggets, they will have a semblance of a they'll, – they'll have some intel on that. And Denver may decide to sign someone who has had success with another team. They could also go outside the box, kind of like Torrey Craig, kind of like Greg Whittington. You don't have to sign somebody who has been in the NBA for the entire time or kind of around the NBA sphere. You could go abroad. You could go to Australia. You could go to Israel. You could go to Germany. Uh a variety of different places could be the location of the next player to break into the NBA for some reason or another. 
And I trust Denver to be able to do that. It was tough with Greg Whittington because he hurt his knee at the very beginning of the season and then could just never get healthy again. But Denver has had success with kind of going outside the box and trying to fill that spot in a, in a weird way, in a different way. So I trust him, Connolly and co to be able to do that. They know what they're doing. They have a far better scope of that idea than I do. But overall, look, Marcus Howard, he gets added to the mix here. I talked in, in last podcast about the mixing and matching of the guard skill sets. The size guys are Dozier and Barton. Need maximum effort on defense? You go with Faku and PJ Dozier. Need more shooting and scoring? Go with Bones and Barton. Maybe Marcus Howard is thrown into that, that shooting and scoring mix. He can shoot with the rest of them. He can definitely, definitely shoot. There's no doubt in my mind there. So Denver has another guy at their disposal that they could really help out with. And given that Jamal Murray is going to be out for the foreseeable future, having guards that can score, not a bad idea. Let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to talk about the Summer League Nuggets and the game that happened on Saturday. We'll be right back. All right, back here, Pickaxe and Roll, Ryan Blackburn. Thank you so much for tuning in. would mean the world to me if you could rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Always a help, always a big deal. Uh, Helps me grow the program, and it helps let others know that you listen and, and are enjoying it. So make sure to check that out. The Summer Nuggets. They were 0-3 heading into their last two games of Summer League. They're only going to play five uh, then they had a game on Saturday over this weekend. I, I did a podcast on Thursday night into Friday, uh, so I missed talking about the Saturday game. But I did watch it, and I, I enjoyed what I saw. I really actually very much enjoyed what I saw. Denver's going to have one more game on Monday. So as you're listening to this podcast, make sure to know that they're going to be playing the Milwaukee Bucks Summer League team. At 2 p.m. Mountain, uh, 4 p.m. Eastern, if that helps. So it's going to be a day game. Uh, I think this is the last game that Denver will be playing in Summer League. And for that reason, it, it wouldn't surprise me if, well, Bol Bol might play, Bones Highland might play, Zeke Naji might play, or they might decide to give some of the other guys an opportunity. Somebody like Georgie. Somebody like uh, Jason Bernal. Uh, Caleb Bagata has played a ton. Um, who else has played a ton? Josh Gray has played a ton. I wonder if they decide to give some other guys a little bit of run here. So we will see. Uh, their first ob- obligation is to their guys on roster, though. So that's Bull Bull. That's Zeke Naji. That's Bones Highland. We will see what they ultimately do with that. But for now, let's talk about the fourth game. Let's talk about what happened. Uh, Denver won that one 89-85. And the initial player note that I have was Bull Bull had an off day. And it's not much of a surprise. He had played a lot, uh, shown a lot in the first three games. And 
Denver didn't really need to see that much from him in this next one. What they really needed to see was Bones Highland and Zeke Najian in bigger roles. And I also don't think it's a surprise, and take don't take this the wrong way, but Denver's defense and the rebounding, and their attention to detail, and their willingness to try hard and uh, fight through in, in a lot of different cases, was a lot better when Bol Bol wasn't out there. And it could be just because of the, some of the guys that they had in those places, Zylan Cheatham, Deontay Burton, those guys are hard workers. They know what they're doing. They know how to play. Uh, but Bol Bol wasn't out there, and Denver's defense improved. And it wasn't just because the Dallas Mavericks roster wasn't as good. Um, I really do think the process for Denver was a lot better. The scoring struggled, at least until Bones took over. And you could definitely point to that as Bol Bol's best skill, his ability to score the basketball and do it in a variety of ways. That was really missed until Bones took over. So let's talk about Bones. This is probably going to be mostly devoted to Bones Highland, and for good reason. That dude, it's very interesting how your opinion changes after you watch somebody significantly. Full disclosure, I did not watch Bones Highland a ton with my draft prep. It was not something I considered. I didn't try to ignore him, but in the process, there were two guys in that guards in those guard spots that I was afraid that Denver would take that I hadn't really honestly taken a deeper look at. The first one was Rakus Jakubaitis from uh, Zalgiris in Lithuania. The next was Bones Highland. He was a VCU. Like he, he was a, a cult hero type for draft Twitter. Somebody who they everybody seemed to like, but nobody seemed to have really high. Um Unless you're like, it was really a a wild take to have him towards the lottery or something like that. So what I had really been considering when trying to do the draft prep for uh, the Nuggets was 15 to 40, trying to work in that range. And Bones Island was one of the two guys that really was in that range that I hadn't really considered. And so when they drafted him, I was pretty upset. Not like mostly with myself, mostly with just not having covered him enough. Because when you're doing a bunch of draft coverage, it's pretty embarrassing to cover everybody else. And then when Denver selects somebody, you feel like an idiot for not having considered them. But with Bones, the word was offense, 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 score, score, score. And from my general perspective for Denver, I still think that they are eventually going to have to figure out the problem that is perimeter defense. That is how they are going to survive when Nikola Jokic is out there as a center. And how can they continue to defend like a champion? Those problems didn't go away when they drafted Bones Highland. He does have better defensive instincts than I thought, but he's still not a good defender. He's, he might even be really bad. And it's going to probably take him a while to figure it out. He made a nice highlight block in a transition defense sequence against a a two-on-one fast break where he really pinned the ball to the backboard. It was very impressive how he handled it. But there were a lot of situations where he got caught on screens, where he just didn't really know where he was going, where he couldn't really do anything because he's 170 pounds. And I still have those concerns. However, 
What I am going to do now is I am just going to table those. I am just going to talk about what I see with Bones. And what I really see, honestly, is star qualities. I see somebody who knows how to play the game, understands how to leverage his abilities, and those abilities are just really, really impressive. When the ball is in his hands, he's extremely dangerous. And he really showed that in that game four. He had he didn't have the ball in his hands a ton with the first half. Really kind of was letting others get into it. Josh Gray was doing stuff. Uh, Zylan Cheatham, DeAndre Burton, or Deontay, excuse me. They were taking turns turning the ball over, basically. And Denver really, really looked bad. And in retrospect, I think Denver, they're going to have to look themselves in the mirror next time they fill out a summer league roster and start to add guys who are really good shooters, like outside of Bones Highland and, and Denver's other players on their roster, because Denver gets a lot of athletes and they get a lot of guys who have some skills handling the basketball or rebounding or defending and doing a variety of other things. But the context with which they evaluate their offensive talent, Bull Bull, Zeke Naji, Bones Highland, it's really affected by the the fact that most of the guys that they add can't shoot the basketball. So, with Bones Highland with Hughes, he was kind of deferring a little bit in that first half. But then he starts to get going. And he, like towards the end of the first half, he gets a couple buckets to go, including a really nice, clean step back where he's in front of the in, he's in front of the three-point line driving towards the middle of the defense and then calmly steps back, takes a, a a nice quick two-step, but under control, and then shoots a moon ball and drops it through the bottom of the net. That's a star shot, and he has a lot of those. Had some situations where he got the ball in transition, uh, pushed it, uh, three-on-two fast break, wasn't really picked up above the, above the three-point line, and he pulled up calmly from three and drilled it. He had a lot of those plays where giving giving him the ball and getting out of his way and letting him create offense in isolation for himself and others was the best thing for Denver to do. And he did it a lot, and he did it successfully. And it really goes to show, like, one, one of the things that really stands out with him when he's doing that is how little he has to try in order to create a bunch of space because of the way he contorts himself, the way he technically moves into his moves, into his dribble moves. It creates a lot of space by rocking the defender to sleep, and then he either slithers by them, or he steps back away from them, or maybe just goes herky-jerky a little bit and crosses them up and gets to the rim anyway. There is a lot to like about his scoring profile, and he does so much by himself. He doesn't need somebody else to create shots for him. And when you start to step back and think about the Nuggets roster, think about, wow, who on the roster is dependent on Nikola Jokic to score the ball? Jamal Murray at one point was, Michael Porter at one point was. They're starting to develop away from that, but Michael Porter, even still, 
he still has trouble dribbling and creating space for himself. Somebody like Bones Highland is going to find his way into Denver's rotation and is going to be perfect for Denver when Jokic is off the floor because they're going to be able to give him the ball, whether it's a couple possessions or seven in a row, and say, hey, at this particular point, we need you to get a bucket. We need you to create some stuff. And he can do that. Whether it's getting to the rim, whether it's just finding rhythm for a three, whether it's driving into the teeth of the defense and making a good decision, he can do all of those things. And I clearly underrated his ability to be able to do that and how valuable that was. He's going to be able to help Denver. Probably not as a starter. Probably not even as a rotation player at the outset. But if there's an injury, or if somebody needs a day off, or if there's a trade down the line, he's going to have an opportunity and has the ability to step in and immediately make an impact, immediately be successful. I am really looking forward to seeing how he handles NBA competition, because if it's anything like what he's doing now, he's still so young. And the way he makes his moves, the way he creates space and then shoots just such a soft jumper, it's very impressive. He's going to have to build up his body, can't be 170 pounds the entire time. He's going to have to get up to 190. Like, I think that's pretty, uh, that should be like pretty obvious for many people because he's just going to have to find a way to defend. Denver's going to not, they're not going to be able to switch a bunch with his man or else he's going to have to find ways to get around it. So I still have concerns at various points, but he reminds me a ton of three different players at various points. Jamal Murray, Will Barton, Damian Lillard. Jamal Murray in that, man, he really developed a little bit as an off-ball guy, but he might be best with the ball in his hands, and he has that it factor that when he gets going, he's hot as hell, knows how to get off his shot, and is just fiery enough to do it. Will Barton, with the way he slithers in and out of his moves, he slides around the defense, just caresses up the shot on the rim or off the glass when he gets to the rim and does a lot of great things with the ball in his hands. And then Damian Lillard with the the effortless range, the willingness to take those shots, be confident with his shots. If he can become some sort of blend of all of those guys, then all of my concerns, they, they melt away with somebody like him who's the 26th pick in the draft. He becomes very important that way. Comes a six-man candidate. And if you can get somebody like that for that price, that's incredible. The question is how quick he can develop. The question is how quick he can fix some of those problems. But they aren't really problems if he hasn't gotten to work yet. He can get to work and always solve. And he clearly has a good head on his shoulders and a great, great group behind him. And there is something to be said about a player 
on it that a team and a fan base can really all rally behind. He can be a fan favorite, a team favorite, somebody that everybody wants to see succeed. Generally, those players mean a lot to a team, a roster. And if he finds that level of of success in Denver, can keep things fresh for everybody, enjoying everything, and maybe that means more than just being a good scorer or just being a good passer or whatever. He's going to do a lot. All right, enough about Bones. Uh, had 28 points, had some really good plays, uh, four assists, six rebounds. Still had four turnovers, I think, or five turnovers, something like that. So uh, he will, like, he still got some great numbers for Summer League and uh, some of the really, really impressive buckets. So keep that in mind. I, I am going to turn tail on my initial opinion of him. If As long as he continues to work, as long as he continues to put on weight, put on muscle, do everything that he needs to do to develop at the NBA level, then he should be good. Zeke Naji. Uh, I'm going to spend about probably two minutes on Zeke Naji, three minutes on Zeke Naji before uh, doing a surface level dive on everybody else, and then we'll get out of here. Um, as Bones Highland has star player qualities, I think it's pretty clear that Zeke Naji has role player qualities. Both are valuable. Both are, as long as you find the right use for each of those guys and fit them in and put them into the right position to succeed, there are definitely ways for him, Zeke Naji, to be an effective player on Denver's roster, in their rotation even. But there was a lot of pressure on him. Missed the first game due to health and safety protocols, got to the second game right like right at the buzzer, and struggled. Clearly struggled. Wasn't wasn't in his best. Next game, still struggled. Was uh was a little bit outshined by Bull Bull. None of those guys really played well, but Bull Bull took 17 shots, uh, took a lot of the the shine off of that. And Najee clearly struggled to find his place and how he was going to impact things. So in game four against the Mavericks on Saturday, they start him at center instead. They start him next to two guards with uh, Josh Gray and and Bones Highland. And then there are two wings with uh, Deontay Burton and Zylan Cheatham. Probably the right call. You want to provide more space. You want to provide more structure. And I thought he played pretty well defensively. When he was at the center position, as opposed to power forward, and when he was even switching on to guys, he did a really, really great job of communicating everything, making sure that he was in the right position, making sure that everybody else was in the right position, and doing like approaching the defensive side with intensity and a willingness and a certain uh, alertness uh, that I think people really missed when Bull was at the center of the defense. There's a lot of floating around when Bull was there. Now, Zeke Naji, he floats around a little bit when the rebound goes up. When the ball goes up onto the rim, sometimes he can float a little. Most of the time, he just boxes out. Most of the time, he gets to his man, whoever it is, and tries to box them out. Sometimes he will come across the play and, and make sure to secure a rebound. 
Most of the time, though, he's going to let other people do that. And there's a place for that. You like players that are more like interested in boxing out at times than just getting the rebound themselves. Because you know what it shows to me is that he's not like stat padding. He's not just trying to get extra numbers. He could do that. He could definitely do that. The fact that he doesn't do that, I think, shows that he's got a good head on his shoulders and understands what really matters. Still not a great rebounder, of course, but that's fine. He doesn't need to do that well in order to be a successful defender. He did also have a couple moments this time around creating shots for himself. There were a couple times where he had the ball in a mismatch situation, spun, got into a more comfortable position, got up an open shot, and made it. Um, He was, I think, 3 of 10. I believe that that's the right number. Um, 4 of 11. Three of those shots inside the arc, one of those shots outside. Uh, Only one of four from three, and only grabbed seven rebounds, but there were some good things, to be clear. And I liked mostly what I saw from him on the defensive end. Finally got a jump shot to go, and it was in a really important situation towards the end of the game. So that's good. You want to see him succeed. Like, you don't want to see anybody fail. Like, (laughs) I I want to see him hit all of those shots. He has the capability. He showed it at the NBA level. Not just at Summer League. So, I have a feeling that this is more of a small sample size thing with the jumper not really working for him. Uh, He really was broke on it, though. Like, there was only one jumper, I think, all Summer League so far that has gone down for him. That's not a great sign. But if it's just in his head, if he clears his head, gets out of Vegas, gets back into the Nuggets rotation, understands what he has to do, he'll be fine. I think that at this point, he's either the 10th or the 11th man. Austin Rivers and him are going to be battling for it. Uh, I think that both... Greens are going to be in there at the back, uh, the backup front court spots. Jeff Green, Jamichael Green. In some cases, if you're going big, Jeff Green at the three, Jamichael Green at the four, Zeke Naji at the five, that'll be what they do. In some cases, you'll go small. You'll go PJ Dozier at the three, sliding in for Austin Rivers at the two, Jeff Green at the four, Jamichael Green at the five, Zeke Naji out. And if that's the case, that's fine. That's probably the right role for Zeke Naji at this point. When they go big, or when opposing teams are big, or if Denver wants to go big, then he's out there. If not, then he sits. That's probably a fine spot in the rotation for him. And until he proves more, then Denver still has some stable veterans in front of him. If those guys get hurt, then they can absolutely make a spot in the rotation for Naji. But for now, We're going to have to see. We're going to have to see what he looks like in training camp and preseason. And then uh, there's just not a lot of opportunities, I think, to prove that you deserve to be in the rotation, especially when Denver has these veterans in front of them. Faku, Austin Rivers, Jeff Green, Jamichael Green, all those guys off the bench. They're going to be given first priority, I think, and for good reason. So we'll keep it in mind. We'll try to figure that out. Other than those t- other than those guys, let's just go rapid fire here. Devon Reed, he got an off day. He's still my favorite to uh, to get the two way spot. Tariq Black, he also got an off day. 
Uh, if Denver signed him to a two-way, I wouldn't be surprised, but I probably wouldn't go that route. Zylan Cheatham, 18 rebounds, 15 points, was pretty good in this last game. He's clearly a hard worker. He's a grinder. You don't get 18 rebounds by accident. Like, he's clearly doing that on purpose, and I think it, it really helped that Zeke Nashi was just boxing out and not just floating. But it really does stand out that when you've got an 18 rebound number, you do that because you're putting in a lot of effort. And he got five of those on the offensive end. He doesn't really have much of an offensive game, but willing to overlook it if he continues to work hard and play hard at 6'7", six, 6'8". Six, Deontay Burton, good playmaking, uh, had six assists to three turnovers, was still doing a not a great job when he was... Uh, when he was creating off the dribble, was dribbling kind of into traffic and getting ripped, losing the ball. Not a great situation, but uh, hit two of his three threes. That was one of his biggest weaknesses. If he can continue to hit outside shots, then that's great. That'll be awesome to see. Caleb Agata still has some dynamic moments on both ends. Four of eight from three in this last game. Was a plus 17, led the team. 13 points, 5 steals. You don't get 5 steals by accident. And he was putting him in position to get a lot of those by reading passing lanes, getting into people's airspace, doing a great job with his hands. And he's just been he's playing professionally for a little bit. So he knows what he's doing. Wouldn't surprise me if he was the guy that Denver ultimately went with, despite the fact that he's another guard. Um, who else? And Josh Gray. Last one here. Josh Gray is still undersized. That's the thing that really stands out with him. Um, I Yeah, I'm, I'm just not sure what Denver's going to continue to do with him. But I still think like he's he's got the uh, he's got the overall game that works for whatever reason. He's been erased from Denver's uh, from Denver's box score for some reason. So he had like four or five turnovers at that one, uh, but he did play. He had played reasonably well, has has shown the ability to kind of go off the dribble and create shots for himself and others, but he's very undersized, more in that 5'10", 5'11 range, and he's clearly not as dynamic as somebody like Howard. So doubt that he gets a look from Denver. Maybe he gets a look from somebody else. You never know. Maybe somebody signed him. Maybe that's the reason. Uh, let me know if you can find it. But for now, Folks, I think that's going to do it. Um, not a lot else to talk about here, but I hope you guys enjoyed my my diatribe about Bones Highland. Uh, he deserves it. He deserves the love from the fans. He deserves my apologies for the way that I discussed him on draft night and in subsequent days. Uh, he's quickly won me over in terms of the way he carries himself and the way that he performs on a consistent basis. Uh, if he continues to shoot the way that he shoots, then... He's going to find his way into the rotation sooner rather than later. It's hard to keep a guy like that down. But that's going to do it for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Thank you so much for tuning in, everyone. Really appreciate the love and support. You guys are great. Uh, going to be stepping down to two episodes a week, so make sure to tune in. I think my next episode will be on Thursday, so we will have some other things to cover on that day. But for now... Thank you so much for tuning in. Really appreciate y'all. I'll talk to you guys very soon.